0: Thank you for joining us today. We'll continue our study of 2 Corinthians. We'll be discussing pride, judging others, and false teaching. So if you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll begin our lesson. Why don't I open this up in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for this group. We thank you that we're able to gather together every week, and we appreciate that blessing and the fellowship that we're able to have together as we gather in your name As we continue our study of Corinthians this morning, I ask that you just guide our discussions and the lesson and let it be your words, not my words, and let us all help one another apply what we study today through our comments so that we can continue to change to be like the people that you designed us to be. This morning's lesson on pride and humility is really going to have an impact on me as well as others listening. And so I just ask that you really put on our hearts those areas that we need to address in our own lives where we might be boastful or prideful and maybe judgmental of others where we shouldn't be. Just help us recognize that everything that we have is from you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. And last week, for those of you who were with us, we studied two chapters, and it was really on giving and how we are to shepherd and steward the gifts that God has given us, and He'll reward us based on how well a job we do in stewarding those gifts that He's given us. And it is our duty to steward all those resources that God gives us, and we are to do that generously and freely. And it's not the size of the gift, it's our heart in our love, and our self-sacrifice, and our motivation. What are the reasons for doing it? Is it to bring glory to God and help build the kingdom or to bring glory to us? And so if you missed that, you can go back and listen to the recording. As we begin chapter 10, this is really a new section in Paul's letter here in 2 Corinthians, his letter here to the Corinthians. And in this part of the letter that we'll be studying in the next couple of weeks, We're going to see in places Paul is a little more stern than he has been because he is going to be addressing the false teachers as well as their followers who were in Corinth. We have these false teachers who are accusing Paul of being self-motivated and really not caring about anybody and his ministry isn't real and all kinds of things. And so he's going to address some of that today and in the coming weeks as we close out 2 Corinthians and you'll see the tone changes a little bit in the letter as well. So I'll begin in chapter 10, verse one. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. So he's saying he is very compassionate when he's with them face to face, but as he has done in this letter, and communications that he's had through others when he's not with them. He is a warrior for the truth and he's gonna fight for the truth. He's not wanting to really fight with his enemies, these false teachers, but he did want them to be reconciled to the truth. So he's not looking for vengeance. He's really just seeking truth and wants people to turn away from some of these false teachings that were being put out there after he had left Corinth his last time that he was there. Verse two, I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. So he's asking that they would repent and return to the truth. These false teachers have accused Paul of having a corrupt heart. And it said he's only been motivated by self-interest, and he's going to say that's not true. He's going to point out how much he cares and loves all the people who were part of the church in Corinth. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So these false teachers who were accusing Paul of being corrupt and driven by greed and pride, Paul's affirming here that he is human, but he's also saying that he didn't battle with human weapons. In these fortresses that he's talking about, this isn't demons that he's talking about, but I think he's referring to here are the false ideologies that men and demons propagate to lead others astray. That's what Satan wants to do, and he uses many leaders, even in some of the churches today, to try to mislead people. And Paul wanted to save the people who had been misled. Even some of our churches today, I know I sat there for decades in one denomination, and I would hear things, and I'd go, Well, that's not biblical, and that's not biblical. You know, it took me a while to figure out that what I was being taught It might have been many, many, many hundreds of years of tradition, but it wasn't biblical. And so there's a lot that is out in many of our churches today where pastors are interpreting Scripture through the lens of culture and changing the words and saying that the Bible has to change to fit with culture or you got to stay with tradition. I'm just one that says... When God says something, I'm going with what God said. I think if God wanted to change his words, he'd have made it clear to interpret it through the culture or let this change. In fact, what he said was the exact opposite. Don't add to this and don't take away from it. Don't water it down. And yet we see that in so many of our churches today because many pastors are afraid if they teach the truth or when they get to sections in the Bible that are difficult, because they're not politically correct in today's culture or people don't want to hear that, they just skip over those and water them down. And I think what Paul is saying is, look, we can't live that way. We've been given God's word. If you don't recognize a sin as a sin, then you're not gonna be able to deal with it. And he is a warrior for the truth and I think he's encouraging us to be likewise, to make sure that we know the word, we know what God has said, And we have two choices. We can either go with tradition and what's been handed down. God bless my parents. They taught me just what they had learned. And it turns out a lot of it was just not biblical. And I've had those discussions with them and pointed that out. And they now see that. And I don't fault them at all. But you have to be willing to either make a decision, go with what you were taught, go with traditions or actually read the Bible and look at what God said, and then it's up to you to choose between what God is saying or what others are telling you needs to be the truth based on what the culture is today. Okay, so I'm going to pick back up with verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So Paul had the courage to not allow these false teachers to destroy the church, but he was going to let everyone decide and take their own stand as to what they wanted to believe and what they wanted to follow. But he did want to save those who had been misled. And some of what he's talking about here is spiritual warfare, and it is a battle. It's a battle for the hearts and minds of others. But it's a battle that can only be fought with the sword of the Word of God. And let me show you a couple of verses. And we are going to be skipping around a little bit today. And I apologize for that. But I'll give you time to find some of these chapters. Go over to the right, a number of chapters, over to 2 Timothy. So it's going to be right before Hebrews. Just keep going to the right. You'll get to Hebrews, which is a pretty big book. And then come back to the left a little bit. I want you to look at 2 Timothy 4.2. And that says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That means we are to be ready to share the truth. We should be ready when we're ready. Out of season, That possibly times when maybe we just don't really feel like it. You know, we're kind of on vacation or taking a break. We need to be ready whenever we're given the opportunity and God is calling on us to be His instrument. And what does it say? It says to reprove, rebuke, exhort, which means encourage, with great patience and instruction. So we have to be patient with others. Hey, it took me decades to figure out I was at the wrong church that I was going to every week. That some of what I was being taught was not biblical. It took me a long time in the Holy Spirit working on my heart to show me that I needed to find a church to attend that was teaching truth. Paul had the courage to try to help others, even though it might not be the most popular message. And here he was with these false teachers who were teaching things that were not biblical. Of course, this wasn't written at the time, so it was not in keeping with the teaching that he had handed down that was given to him by Christ. Let me show you a couple of other verses. Go over to Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. And I want you to look at Matthew 7. Verse fifteen, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Remember this is Jesus Christ saying this that there's going to be people who they dress up nice, they look good on the outside, they sound really nice in keeping with today's culture and what's accepted and tolerance and what have you and He's not saying that we shouldn't love everybody. We are to love everybody, and I'm going to show you some verses in a little while. that says we're not to judge anybody. But we've got to be careful that we're not taken in by false teaching and get confused because Jesus calls them ravenous wolves. These are people who are out there to deceive us and draw us away from our faith and take us away from God's Word. Go over to the right. Let's go to Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And let's look at Acts 20:29. 20, 29. This is Paul talking. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And so this is talking about both inside our churches as well as outside, outside our own congregation. There's a spiritual warfare going on out there and people are being deceived all the time by false teaching. And we need to understand and know the Word well enough that when we do hear it, it might not necessarily mean that you need to leave that church, but if you're continuing to hear things that are just not in accordance with what God's Word is, and you feel a little something on your heart, it might be the Holy Spirit telling you it's time to move to someplace where you are taught the truth so you're not drawn away by these savage wolves. Because they're out there. They're out there right now. They're all over the place. And they are deceiving people and drawing people away from the Word of God and basically using black highlighters to remove those things in the Bible that they just don't want to recognize as sinful anymore. We need to be careful of that. We can talk about a lot of sins that are that way. Boy, at the top of the list is living together and having sex outside of marriage. Just think of our culture today. That is just totally tolerated. And many people on this call may even have kids that are living together. Or you may be living together outside of marriage. And that's a sin. That is flat a sin. And yet for me to say that, I know most people, more than most people, are going to say, Larry, you're out of touch. But, you know, I may be out of touch with the culture, but I'm just going to go with what God said. You know, I didn't write the book, but God says it's a sin. I recognize it as a sin. At the same time, I want to be very clear. I'm not judging others. I've got my own sins. i got lots of sins. And so I've got to deal with my own sin. But please, I don't want you celebrating my sins. And forgive me if you're not happy that I'm not celebrating you and your sin. So let me show you one other scripture, go a little bit further, Romans 16, that's right after Acts, and I want to look at, let's see where I want to start here, verse 17, Romans 16, verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ. But their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Paul's going to talk about how these false teachers, and we see this today not only in some of our church leaders, but just in our culture. Look at our actors out of Hollywood. They have smooth speech. They say, hey, we're all that. Look at us. We're great. Don't you want to live like us? Look at the culture. Look at social media. Look at me. Everything's about me. Look at all these pictures of me. Don't you want what I have? And the focus is just totally messed up. And it is perverse when you look at our culture. I feel sorry for our young kids today because that's what they're being bombarded with. And so let's go back now over to 2 Corinthians and then verse 7. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is in Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. So true men of God, they show by their fruit who they are. They're confident in Christ, but they also recognize that everything they've been given They've been given by the Lord. And you've got a lot of people who want to really appear great on the outside, just like the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing. They wanted to really look good on the outside, but their heart is a mess, and they have not given their heart to the Lord. Verse 8, For even if I should boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I shall not be put to shame. Paul didn't want to boast about his own authority or his ministry, but he wanted to show them how he used what God gave him to help build God's kingdom. It was not about making himself look good in front of others, whereas the false teachers, that's all they really did. They just wanted to make themselves look good. They really didn't have a heart for the Lord. Verse 9, for I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. So he's not trying to intimidate them by these letters. His goal was to bring them to repentance and bring them back to the correct teaching that he had received from the Lord. He actually loves the people in Corinth. And if you'll just look real quick, we'll get there next week over verse 11 in chapter 11. He says that God knows that he loves them. He does love them. And he's trying to help them. Verse 10, for they say his letters are weighty. Okay, this is the religious leaders. They say Paul's letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. So these false teachers, they were using all this slick and polished speech to manipulate people. Let me show you a couple of verses. Keep your finger right here. We'll come right back. Just go back over a few pages to the left. Let's first look at 1 Corinthians 1. so the very first chapter of 1 Corinthians. Let's begin in verse 25. It says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. In the base things of the world, in the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. I really love this verse because I just think it talks so much about our culture. When you look at celebrities and who really occupy most of the time on television many many athletes many many folks in Hollywood you know they want to come across as being the chosen ones and they're the strong and they're knowledgeable and They're the wise people and we need to listen to them. They certainly want to preach to us all their views and we should follow their views. And of course, if we disagree with anything, well then we're pariahs. Don't ever mention Jesus Christ to them because no tolerance for that whatsoever. And isn't it interesting how God has chosen the lowly, the people who are not like that, to be his instruments to help build the kingdom? I think it was our church service, it was either last week or the week before, And our pastor touched on this verse and he said, I'm just curious, I'd like to see a show of hands, anybody out here, any Hollywood famous actors or anybody like that here in the audience? And he even named out a few that live in Austin, you know, are you here? Are you in the audience? He was just trying to make the point that they kind of follow their own, well, they're in love with themselves, basically. And God's called people like you and me, people who are not esteemed and viewed as, wow. Even look at our government. That's another place you can look. Not many devout Christians. I'm not saying there aren't any, but just look at our governmental leaders in so many places. God wants to use the lowly, and I love that. Thank you, Lord, for using me. I can't believe you chose me as someone to use. And this is basically what Paul has said. How do you pick someone like Paul, who was a Christian terrorist, rounding up Christians to kill, to eliminate? And Jesus Christ chose him to basically write about half of the New Testament. That's one of my favorite verses. So that's what Jesus wants to use. He wants to use the lowly rather than people that use all this polished speech and these impressive leaders that we see and actors and athletes. And Paul wants their faith to be based upon God's Word. He didn't use slick language to try to entice people. He wanted to just use God's Word in order for them to see what the truth was. Another verse real quick. If you just go just to the next chapter from 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 2, verse 5. It says that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And so that's what Paul was doing. He wanted people to hear the word, and that was what the truth was. Verse 11, back over in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in the word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. And so Paul is saying, look at me. I'm the same person in my letters as when I am with you in person. He was consistent. He had integrity. He wasn't a hypocrite. He was the same when he was with them and when he was away. He was the same on the inside as well as the outside. So he had humility. At the same time, he recognized his own spiritual bankruptcy. Remember when we were in Matthew? Go back over to Matthew 5, and I'm sorry I'm flipping around so much today, but I think these verses really help clarify what Paul is saying. When we were in Matthew 5, this is when Jesus was talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And poor in spirit, he's really talking about people who are humble, This poor in spirit, the translation is really about people who are in poverty. That's what this means. And poverty in spirit means that we have spiritual poverty. We recognize that we are sinners and that we are in need of a Savior and that everything we've been given has come from the Lord. And so it's about the condition of our heart. We've got to first acknowledge that we have spiritual bankruptcy. We should be not only in need of a Savior, but we should be sad for others who have not understood that yet. We shouldn't judge them. That's for God to do, and I'm going to show you that in just a few minutes. We need to recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt. And without Jesus Christ and then giving us the Holy Spirit, we would be nothing. We're a mess, all of us. Let me show you one other verse. Now go to Romans it's right after Acts, so go to the right, go past the four Gospels, then Acts, then you get to Romans, and look at Romans 12, 3. "'For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than as he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith.'" This really hits me because a lot of times I can fall into the trap of being judgmental of others who I see doing various things or not living their life the way God intended. And yet I need to realize the only reason I'm able, not all the time, I'm even able to recognize my sin and try to deal with it is because the Holy Spirit is living inside of me and helping me. And it's not for me to judge. It is for God to judge. And my role is just to try to live my life in a way that others find attractive and want to understand how I have this peace about me and to try to help others. Not because I'm better than them. I am not. I am a mess just like everybody else. And thank God that Jesus Christ has saved me and wants to use me as a vessel just like he wants to use everyone. But that shouldn't give us pride because of that. So now let's go back over, and I think you'll see this is what Paul is saying. Let's go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm in verse 11. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. So this is talking about people who are arrogant and they want to judge everybody else. And look, I fall into this myself. This is talking to me. I shouldn't be judging others and I shouldn't be comparing myself to others. There's only one standard that we'll all be judged by and it's God's standard And I don't hold that up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I fall all the time. How many people, and just look at who I was talking about before, our governmental leaders for the most part. I'm using really broad strokes here, so don't get me wrong. I'm just talking in generalities. The people out of Hollywood, a lot of our sports figures, all the people who are held in such high esteem in our culture, What do they want to do? They want to just look at themselves and say, you need to be like me. Look at me. And they measure everybody against themselves. They claim tolerance, but they really are very intolerant because if you say anything that would be counter to what they believe or feel or an opposing view, they have very little tolerance for you. But yet they measure everyone by themselves. And I think Paul is telling us we need to really be careful. And we should be doing that. Even when we are able to have some good works every now and then, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that enable us to do that. So we shouldn't even pride ourselves on anything that we do good because it's just God and the Holy Spirit working in and through us that enables that. We shouldn't compare ourselves to anybody. We've all been given different gifts and we shouldn't use human standards because God is going to view everyone on the inside. Yet this is the typical attitude that Paul was talking about that he saw in these false teachers. In a great example of a false teacher, what Paul's talking about, let's go look at Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke 18. And I love this. I think this just speaks so much to what we see in our culture today. I hope I'm not like this. Luke 18, and let's begin in verse 9. And he, this is Jesus, also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Ten. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, so this is a person who's all that, okay? Put anybody in there that you want to, Hollywood types, sports figure, whoever. One a Pharisee, highly regarded. And the other, a tax gatherer. Okay, remember tax gatherers in that culture? They were the scum of the earth. Everybody hated them, okay? These are the two people that go up to the temple to pray. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and was praying this way to himself. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax gatherer, you know, who's over here praying next to me. Verse 12, I fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all that I get. So he's now going through his resume, all his good works. Verse 13, but the tax gatherer standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. This is Jesus talking. I tell you, this man went down to his house talking about the tax gatherer justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. I think this really sums up what Paul's talking about and what I've been saying is, and look, do I fall into this trap from time to time? Absolutely. But this ought to speak to all of us. You know, when we're judging others and saying, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. I don't have that, I don't struggle with that sin. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. And look at all I do. These are all the things, you know, I gave to that charity and got my name written up there and one of the top donors. And look at all the things I do. When we end up doing that, that's what Jesus is talking about. Our heart is a mess. We don't realize what a sinner and what a mess we are. And it's when we go back to that verse that we read in Matthew, we need to realize how spiritually poor that we are, that we need a Savior and we need the Lord to work in and through us, to change us and to change our hearts so that we can be the people he wants us to be. Okay, let me go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. And so he's saying that we're not adequate But God has given us everything, all our adequacy is from God, and humble people know how far they fall from God's standard. Paul's saying, look, God gave me this ministry in Corinth, and he's giving credit to God for that ministry, not himself. Verse 14, For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. So Paul didn't want to overextend himself in his ministry. He did not want to take credit for the ministry of others. But Paul had founded this church in Corinth through the power of God, and his goal was to then grow that sphere of that ministry that God had given him as the Corinthians matured in their faith. Paul wanted to reach as many as he could for God, but Paul was content with whatever ministry God gave him, and he didn't want to take credit for what others had done in other regions through their ministries. Verse 17, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Now that comes from Jeremiah. And I do want to take the time to look at that. That's in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you time to find it. If you just go to the middle of the Old Testament, you'll be in Psalms and Proverbs. And then just keep going to the right. You'll find a big book of Isaiah. And then the next one is Jeremiah. So go over to Jeremiah. And this comes from Jeremiah 9. And let me begin in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty boast of his might, let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this that he understands and knows me, being God, that I am the Lord who exercises love and kindness, justice and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things declares the Lord. What Jeremiah is talking about right here is that Everything we have, if we have wisdom, if we have might, if we have richness, whatever we have, we need to realize we're not self-made men or women. This all was given to us by God, and we need to understand and know that God gave that to us, whatever we have, whatever gifts we have. And we need to be thankful to God for that and boast that God has given us those things. And then I guess the last verse, I've got some others, but given time, let me show you one other verse, Romans fifteen. So go back over, we were in Second Corinthians, and then just go back to the left, the power book right before First Corinthians. And I want to look at Romans fifteen, verse seventeen and eighteen. Therefore in Christ Jesus I found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So Paul's saying, boast in the Lord. Anything that you've been given, anything that you accomplish, give credit to the Lord. Boast in the Lord, not in ourselves. So go back over to Second Corinthians and we'll close this out. Verse 18, For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. So the false teachers, they were focused on their own glory and their own stature then. In true Christ servants, they focused on their heavenly rewards like we saw when we were in Matthew 25 about the rewards that we'll get in heaven and having Jesus say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And this one I really do want you to take a look at. 1 Corinthians 4, so just a few pages over to the left. And let me begin in verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. And this is talking about the second coming of Christ. But wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Jesus Christ is going to expose what's hidden, even the motives and intentions in our hearts. And he's going to honor those who are faithful to Christ and who give credit to Christ for the things that he's given to us, our blessings, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So as I summarize what we've looked at, and then I really want to hear your thoughts this morning. We need to study the Word and attending this Bible study is a good thing to do. We also need to do our studies on our own and be diligent so that we understand what God's Word is so that we're not misled by false teaching. Because, like I say, it's not only friends and family that can lead us astray. Uh, it, It may be one of the churches that you attend. We need to understand what God is telling us and not just take on face value what somebody tells us. And then we need to consider and recognize all that God accomplishes through us and recognize it's not us. It's God working through us and blessing us and wanting us to enjoy the good things that He gives us, but recognize that those were from Him and not of our doing. I'd say finally two points. I'm talking to myself now. You know, this judging others, it is not for us to judge others. That is Jesus Christ's job to do. Our job is to share the truth with others and not do it in a judgmental fashion, but try to help others who may have been led astray to think various things are okay because everybody's doing it. We need to be truthful and be truthful with our kids, be truthful with our friends. Do it in a loving way, not a judgmental way. And we can say, you know what? I used to struggle with that same thing. Or these are my sins. This is what I struggle with. And I'm just trying to point out until you recognize you have a sin, you can't even do anything about it because you don't even recognize that it is counter to what God has commanded us to do. And so you can do that in a loving way. and. I hope that we will all go away from this lesson today really taking some time to examine our own hearts and asking God to help change our hearts so that we can recognize the sin in our own life and ask for help from the Holy Spirit until we recognize that we have a struggle and quit just saying, well, God, I give my life to you except for these couple of areas that I really enjoy. We need to understand that we've all got sin. Let's figure out what they are. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us and then realize what messed up people we are and try to help others as they see the changes that we've made in our own life through the working of the Holy Spirit and try to help them and not be judgmental while at the same time making sure that the people we know, I mean, we all have friends. I've seen people who I highly, highly respect, who I view as very knowledgeable of the Bible and certainly devout Christians, and yet I've seen how some of their thinking has been so changed and misguided by what they're hearing from within their denominations, that these are okay and that those aren't sins and... We just need to love everybody, and that's very, very dangerous. I just ask you to pray about that. Pray about your own self, and pray about others that you know that may currently have a false sense of what God is commanding us to do and what is sinful and what isn't. So I'd love to hear from you. How do we apply this? What resonated with you? How do we live our lives according to what we've studied this morning?
1: Larry, this topic really resonates with me. I think it's a user's manual on how to deal with these issues. And and the thing that comes to me first is that there's two buckets. There's the bucket of believers and bucket of non-believers. And clearly we're instructed in the Bible not to judge non-believers. That's God's business. On the other hand, we are to encourage, and you know, you, you looked at the verse this morning, we're to help believers live closer to Christ in obedience with Christ, the words that come to mind for me are not judgment, but we have to use discernment and wisdom that God gives us freely. We looked it up today. So we have to ask for this wisdom and ask for this discernment. And then we use that to build up our fellow Christians. And we use that to improve ourselves. You know, the Bible says, don't even judge yourself. You know, you don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a heavy price. And so we have to focus our eyes on the grace and the glory of Christ. And not on our own sin. As you said today, we're sinners, absolutely. And I can be grateful. I don't struggle with every sin. I struggle with plenty of sins, but some tempt me and some don't. But thank you, God, that I'm not tempted with every sin out there. But thank you for that. My sins are forgiven through Christ and that I need to focus my eyes on him and not on my sin or not on the sin of my fellow believers or certainly not of the world. Uh, Those are what those topics and those scriptures speak to me.
0: That's really good, and it's a really good summary of what this lesson was all about. I appreciate you sharing that.
2: Hey, Larry, that's one of the things I I do appreciate about the challenge of judging those in the church versus not judging those outside the church. We judge those inside the church to correct love, kind of reproof and rebuke in love to bring them back to solidness. That's your 1 Corinthians 5, but we don't judge outside the church because that's God's job. It's just a challenging thing because you're always, kind of like you've been saying, you're always towing the line between do I want to be a person that stands up for truth and might be accused of not loving? On the other hand, you don't want to be a person that loves without truth. I think in general, conservatives err on the truth side, liberals err on the love side, and both in general miss the point of truth and love, that there's boundaries within the design that God has built for us with love. And I'm thinking specifically about like sexuality and homosexuality specifically. Max Lucado just got ripped up and down because he spoke at the National Cathedral, even though his views have sort of shifted left in the past. But man, they took what he said 17 years ago and canceled him. And I think that's the is a big threat of not standing up for truth because you want to be loving, but it's actually capitulating. It's just, man, in our culture war right now, it is such a difficult thing. And so more than ever, we need to have an articulate view of God's truth and a way to apply it in love, which sometimes requires judging those inside the church while presenting the gospel to those outside the church and leaving that up for God to judge. So anyway, just appreciated the whole thing.
0: I appreciate those comments because you are absolutely right. The balance that we need to strike, particularly given the culture today, that we grasp and hold on to the truth, yet do it in a loving way, That people right now, they view us as hypocrites, us as Christians. Hypocrites or unloving or, you know, we hate anybody that has a different view. Well, no, that's not how we should live our lives. We should not capitulate, as you say. We should hold on to the truth and make it clear that this is what we believe and why we believe it because it's God's Word. But do it in a way that comes across as we're not judging you. I got all kinds of sins in my own life. But because God has said this, this is what I'm going to hang on to. It's His Word. But striking that balance, it can be very difficult in today's climate in this culture. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at LarryO'Donnell.com. You can also sign up to receive this podcast and my weekly blog by sending a text to 56316, type Larry in the text box, and hit send. I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our study.